0: Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Keely Aroussi. And I'm Jason Aroussi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor.
1: So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and
0: free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go Live. So good morning. We know we had a late night. Uh, The deal take was great. I was really impressed by all the speakers who came up here presented. I mean, it's just a fantastic way to end the night right now. And I know we're tired, we're lethargic. It's always that way to start the morning here, but it's just us getting out of the gate and getting started. So we're going to talk today about four key components we've found to success working as a couple. So let's do Uh, a little bit.
1: I was going to say, who's tired? I'm not tired. Are you guys tired? So here's one thing. We have something called the Aloha Morning Mindset. So we're not going to go fully into that. Um, but the first thing I love to do is shout out Aloha. Aloha. Aloha.
0: Yes. All, right. All right. See, this room has it. Usually we get about a 10% and then Pele has to go back and get his little narrative, but that's the way to start it. So here we go. Good. So let's do a little bit about us. So I'm Jason Urusi. This I'm is my Hugh wife, Celia Urussi. Urussi, right here.
1: We have three children. We live in Tennessee. We moved to the multifamily space back in 2017. We started learning in 2016. We have done 11 syndications covering over 1,000 units. We have gone full cycle and exited six of those acquisitions since 2017. And one of those just happened yesterday.
0: Correct. Right? Correct. Okay. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Jason is an avid runner and he ran 2,500 miles last year.
0: I know, right? Half of them running after my kids, but besides that, (laughs) yeah. So that was (laughs) mine. So
1: all through last year, I mean, we all were hit with COVID. Everyone with kids here, we were all forced to stay home. So I turned that mindset, we turned that mindset into an I get to mindset. And we decided to keep them home. We decided to homeschool and we had fun doing it. So all through last year, we homeschooled our kids. Before multi-family real estate, we met working in bars in NYC. Little do you know, I actually hired him. I was mm-hmm. managing the restaurant. And he walks in, all, all of this,
0: and he was supposed to do Young, that. naive, taken advantage of. But
1: <laughs> By the yeah. big, bad manager. Um, And he was going to do construction. And his friend said, Oh, by the way, Jason Bartons too. He could actually barton circles around me. One thing that I take from that, though, is I always hire people who are better than me at things. I surround myself with people who are amazing. And Jason just happened to be one of those people. And this was back in 2003, folks. We didn't actually get together until 2012.
0: Yeah. So the lesson there is that we're all going to go through seasons. So many times in life, we look around us and we're always comparing ourselves to other people. We're always looking around saying, oh, but she's already here or man, I'm just so far behind or I just feel so inadequate or "There's someone doing something that's ahead of us. I mean, at this point, we've gone through a tremendous amount of seasons. Mm-hmm. In 2003, we were running bars in New York City, working in bars. We went from working at bars to opening up restaurants in New York City to opening and selling breweries. P.O.E. moved out to L.A. for a part, then back to Hawaii, then back to New York. Before we- convinced me. Yes, took, it took mm-hmm. some time, but it took us 10 years to even find each other. And throughout that time, we always had in our mind, right, that we're behind, We're you know, we're too old. We're not, it just, we're not good enough. We're not able enough, right? but each part we started building our mindset but it just took that next day that we just had to get up again and go after it and figure out what's next what's out there so in 2012 when we did get together you know right before that hurricane sandy had happened and my father lo and behold has this small family construction business that he randomly lifts and moves buildings he doesn't move your furniture and move you to a new house he actually takes the entire building whether it's 1000 square feet or 500 ton and lifts it up and moves it Now, he's done that over 45 years. So lo and behold, this small family business takes off. And he's going from maybe 12 jobs a year to at the peak, we were doing about 400 of these a year. So all of a sudden, Peely and I, in the next phase of our life, we pivoted. We stopped what we were doing. We moved out to New Jersey and we started helping dad along the family business. But what occurred to us at that moment was that we were getting farther away because we had started finding our goal. Because most times in life, what happens? The day controls us. We're always saying we don't have enough time, but it's the day leading us down our path. It's the day taking us to our next level, right? We wake up, we hit the snooze button, we wake up a little bit late, now we're rushing. We maybe don't need something great because we're just rushing to point. you have little kids now, they're up, they're going crazy, we have to get them to school. We're running to, to work, we're sitting in traffic. Now we're late getting to work. We feel stressed at work because there's 10 things on top of us. And here we go. And now we get to the end of the day. We feel unaccomplished because so much just happened. We get back in traffic. We come home from there. We go, oh, man. We start watching Netflix for three hours. We go to sleep and say never again. And then the next morning that repeats. And then a month goes by. A year goes by. A decade goes by. And we say, what just happened? And it took us to say what? To say we don't want this life. We want to find our time.
1: That we're going to take our life back and we're going to take it back together. I mean, there are times during our life together where, I mean, we get this, okay, so we get asked this question a lot. How do we work together? I'm hoping that we're going to answer that for us, for you right now. But we met working. We met like, and our boss back then, the owner of the bar used to love pinning us against each other because Jason and I have different mindsets. We're two totally different people. So we had to learn to work together. So, we're gonna go through some steps on how we've learned to work together, but it took time. 2003, we met in 2003, we worked together for years. So, we learned how to work together, we learned how to create business goals together, albeit sometimes buddy heads doing it. But the thing is, though, we had to communicate, right? So throughout everything we talk about during this time period that we get to have with you, I want you to remember that. And I know you've heard it before. So hopefully the 10,000 times I'm going to say it today, communicate, 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 communicate. You have to talk to each other. That's how we are strong. That's how we were able to create the life that we have today.
0: So these are going to sound like four simple components. But each time things sound simple, but why do we not do them? Because we're the most complicated species. So we want things to be complicated. So sometimes it's the simple thing we need in our life, and we just don't do it because we want it to be harder. We want it to be more difficult, right? Because us doing it hard, right? Some, somewhere in life, there's a validation. Well, I'm working so hard, I'm grinding, right? Somewhere in life, there's that validation. So what Peely and I found 2012, 2013 is here we are, as busy as can be, as busy as we ever can be, right? If there was 25 hours in a day, eight days in a week, we we could have used them, right? Because that's how busy the construction business was. But Peely and I, we were starting family. Peely was pregnant with our first child. And here we are saying, we wanna get to a point in our life that we can control our time, that we can set the narrative on our day, that we can say, this is the day that we wanna have. We wanna come here and speak with you today, great. Let's get here and come speak. We want to be able to spend time and go out with our kids. Great. What we found is we had put ourselves in a position where we were doing a job, albeit helping dad. Yeah, fantastic. But it wasn't getting us to our goal. It was getting us farther away from our goal because the business was running us. And just like anything in life, is that when you're doing something, what happens in the construction business if you just stop? Well, you make no money, right? Because you have to do to get. And where we came into the point, we said, well, what's next? And that's where we found real estate. But it became the point that we thought we were on the right track, right? We thought we were going in the right direction. So we started flipping houses, we started wholesaling, we started doing Airbnb, we we got a real estate license. But what we had found, what was that? We had created more activity in our life. So here we are with a goal. We wanna control our day, control our destiny, set our outcome, and we just took busy, and started busier on top of it. And continue to create busy and busy and busy. So here we are along our path and it was that great because it started to go well and it started to go good and we started to do good things. But it was when we started having the mindset, the mentality that this wasn't our goal because good is not great. Good is not what's going to get you to where you want to be. Good is what makes us comfortable. And all of a sudden we regret not taking the chances.
1: So we were good at the construction business. Actually, your dad is pretty great. Your dad's really great because he's focused on that. But we were good at the construction business. We were good at house flipping. We were good at wholesaling. We we're good at all these things that we were doing. And then here we are, pregnant with our second child, and all of a sudden there's multifamily. Jason says, you know what? We're doing these duplexes in Indiana. Why don't we do like 500, 1,000, a 1 million, whatever the number was. And I shut down and I said, no. And he was feeling it too. We had both come to this point where we had so much going on. We were growing our family. We were we had these multiple business. We had so much going on, but we hadn't sat down for so long to just say, what is our goal? Why are we doing all these things? What is that end goal? Why are we doing this? What, what are the action steps to get there? So you see it on the both sides. It says set goals and you need to communicate them you can't have a goal in mind let's say my goal is to spend more time with our children and jason's goal is to work harder and work more hours and get get these businesses set where's the connection there there is one obviously we both love our children i love the businesses but there's no connection there. So how do we make that connection?
0: And when I think about this, I, I want you to think about your goals. Cause so many times we live off other people's goals, right? We get our phone out we see Instagram, someone with a big house or a fancy car or family time, right? And we, we say, oh, that must be my goal, right? I wanna be rich. Okay, what does that mean? Does that mean you wanna have $10 million or you wanna be able to have time to spend with your family? Or you just wanna have $3,000 a month just to cover your expenses? What is it specifically that stands out to you? Because most of our goals, we just say them, right? We put them out there, but they're not quantifiable. They're not actionable. They're not tactable. So what happens? It's a New Year's resolution approach. There's a reason why over 98% of New Year's resolutions fail. Because it's something that we say, but there's no plan. There's no effectiveness to go out, get out there and go achieve it. It's a point that we set out on a path, right? But we don't know which direction we're going. We're sailing to a destination, but we, we have no plan to get there. So we might be going the opposite way. Because we've set no plan in place to get ourselves there. When I ran 2,500 miles last year, I just knew that it wasn't going to be my feet that was going to stop me. It was going to be my mind. And so each day my plan was to put my shoes and my shorts and my my socks and my shirt right next to the bed. That was where my mind could get me to the plan because I knew if I got out, got out of bed and put those on, I was going to feel really silly if I then said, ah, you know what, today's not the day, and then dress myself. And I would never look at the weather because I knew if I, if I looked at the weather, right, that I would give myself the mindset that, oh, you know, maybe today's not a great day. We were in New Jersey at that time. So some days it was four degrees. But I knew if I did that, right, maybe it's too hot. Maybe it's too cold. Maybe it's too wet out. And we tried to instill that in our kids, right? They say, oh, it's raining out. No, it's great. It's a great day. It rains 30% of the year. And if we let our minds dictate ourselves, say, oh, today it's raining, must be a bad day. How can we ever get past the success that we wanna have? Because we're giving ourselves reasons to get out. We're giving ourselves reasons that today is not today. you have to set a plan, get yourself that first step out the door. And the most important part about a plan is that it might be horrible. It might actually be horrible, but what it does is it eliminates that next step. It eliminates that next step along your path. So when you're going there, you can say, okay, good. Now I know that doesn't work. But most of the times with our goals, we never get out. We never get out of the gate because we don't have that first step. We're so worried about what could possibly happen. What could possibly go wrong, right? The worst thing will happen. So if I go and invest in an apartment building today, everything's going to go wrong. The day I take over, there's going to be a riot in the street. The the building's going to burn down. You know, my investor's going to be at my door. Someone's going to come take my dog. It's going to be horrible. You say, what just happened? Most times it's so easy for us to recognize the worst possible thing. But if that worst possible thing can happen, then on the other side, the best possible thing can happen. It could be a tremendous success. You could really help your investors to become a new place in their life. You can help this be a better community for everyone to survive. Because what I know standing here today is that we've all had bad days. We've all had the worst things. We've all had the worst outcomes. But we're all 100% undefeated against those days because we're all sitting here today. And there's going to be more of these days. There's going to be more of these outcomes. But it's like a thorn in our side is that we could have a perfect day. We could have that perfect day, the perfect plan. And we have a thorn in our side, right? And all of a sudden, this thing's bothering us. And our whole day is ruined because of a thorn in our side. We put all of our attention there. 23 hours, 45 minutes of the day, boom, perfect. But at 15 minutes, something hit us. Something was negative. Something was bad. All our energy wants to go there because we don't allow our minds to get there. We don't allow our minds to think about all the positivity that could happen in our life, all the good stuff that we can do, all the good stuff that can be part of us. And we're so used to just being here. So we'll let the bad take over instead of open ourselves and open our minds up to the good.
1: So how do you stay in that good place? I get that question a lot too. How do you stay in that positive place? Peely? why are you so darn happy all the time? It's because we have that goal and we have the plans to get there so when we get those thorns in your side when we get those that one thing that happens when you're when you happen to be scrolling on social and somebody says something disparaging about your bird and that like takes you down a bit look towards your plan look towards those action steps so have that goal say it's to run 25 kabillion miles how are you going to get there Have those actionable steps, those quantifiable, actionable steps to get yourself there. Put it down in a chart. Let yourself know when you have those successes and those failures, because successes and failures are the same thing. They're stepping stones. I don't care how big the success is. I don't care how big the failure is. You sit in either one of them. They just turn stagnant and you don't go anywhere. So use those stepping stones, use them as ways to get toward your goal. That's your plan. So when you get those thorns in your sides, when you get those disparaging comments, you can focus in, you can focus in on that plan that you set. Okay, I'm having a moment now. Where do I have to be? Look towards your plan and get towards that goal.
0: You know, I heard something the other day is that Michael Johnson, the famous uh, Olympic sprinter at one time, he's the fastest man in the world. Right. And, and he was at the, uh, the NFL combine, you know, this was back when Drew Brees was just coming into the NFL. And if you don't know Drew Brees, hugely successful quarterback, now retired. Right. And he was just coming into the NFL and he asked Michael Johnson, you know, you're so successful. Did you set goals. And he's like, and Michael Johnson was like, yeah, I set goals. Well, he's like, how'd you learn to do that? He's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, did you learn that in school? He was like, no, he's like, well, did you learn how to like start setting like smart goals? He was like, well, no. He's like, well, how did you learn to set these goals? And he was like, you know, man, I would find out that if I go to the grocery store with a list of eight items, I would be in. And within 10 minutes, I'd be walking out with those eight items. But if I found that if I just went in the grocery store without that list of eight items, that here I am 45 minutes later, I'm on the aisles looking at the ding-dongs, looking at the donuts, looking at all these things that I know I shouldn't have, right? But I'm picking, I'm pondering because I have no plan. I have no action steps in there. So I'm grabbing all the things that aren't beneficial to me because even though I know the goal, I should be healthy, right? I know the goal. Well, I'm putting myself in a place here where I'm not prepared. I don't have that plan. So I step in there and I start taking these steps here that we have to have a plan. It's what guides us. But the most important part about the plan is that you have to be okay to pivot. Because that plan is gonna get you out of the gate, right? But just like Mike Mike Tyson said, right? Plan is perfect until you get punched in the face. So my first long distance run was 50 miles, right? Up in Ithaca. And I don't look at the courses, because that's in my mind, my plan. Because if I look at the course, it's gonna repair. So I said, okay, my two things, right? Were run the uphills, don't get my shoes wet. Well, I bring one pair of sneakers and the night before one of the kids put their water bottles upside down in my sneaker and my sneakers soaked. So I'm like, okay, so we dry that, we get through there, get to the race here. So remember two goals, run the uphills, don't get my feet wet. Third mile in, it's 15,000 feet of elevation. It's so steep, you can't run anymore. So I'm like, okay, fourth mile in, I have to cross the first of four rivers. So now I have a goal. The new plan was no plan, right? And sometimes that has to be the plan, just get through it. But what I found upon that race is that no matter what, it wasn't going to be my legs that was going to be stopping me. It was going to be my mind. And so each time I got to a point where I thought it was too tough and this goes in our relationship, this goes in our business, it goes in our point is that we just have to say, can I just get to that next thing and figure it out? So when I was running and I was taking action through this race here, I get to 25 miles and I say, okay, it's getting a little bit tough. Can I just get to the next drink station? Okay, I got there. Okay, cool. And can I just get to the next aid station? So here I am, maybe at 32, 33 miles. And then it was, can I just get to the tree? Can I just get another 200 feet? Can I just get to that next bridge and just look back? And so many points in our life, we just stop because we just don't think about, just get to that next stop because the goal was so big. The goal was so overcompensating. The goal was so scary. And when something goes wrong, we say, well, it must not be meant for us. But all it takes is us to just take that next step and one more step and then you look back and you say, wow, what just happened?
1: 50 miles or 50 kilometers, 50 miles, it was 50 miles. 50 miles happened. And see the thing is with, and this is a great example because do you think Jason did that all by himself? Well, yeah, he ran it all by himself. I couldn't carry him. But the thing is we have three kids. I helped him pack. I helped him keep his mindset. And I don't, Jason's looking at me, he was like, you're gonna go there. I don't usually give myself credit for much, but when you're a team like Jason and I are, you have to uplift the other person. I couldn't run that for him, but that's something he wanted to do. When When he had to cross those rivers, when he had to climb those mountains, sometimes you're not gonna be there for your partner in that way But for me, knowing that I was able to support him throughout it, I was able to somehow meet him halfway through the entire thing. We happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I got to give him a big old hug and kiss. And the kids got to see him. That that for me was everything because I got to support him in that moment. So as partners, there's going to be moments where you're going to be your partner's success or your support system and success your support system. And you have to acknowledge that, that sometimes you're not going to be the one that's going to take the step forward. That you're not going to be the one that's going to push the business forward. That you're going to be the one that's supporting it. And together, you're going to get those goals done. And the only way that you're going to have that happen is that you're communicating. You both know that goal, you know the steps leading up to that goal. And sometimes those steps go out the door and you pivot together. But knowing that you have all those steps and communicating all the time, you're able to acknowledge the fact, okay, this pivot needs to happen. So this is where we're gonna go. This is where you are in the business. This is where I am in the business. How do we need to tailor that to fit what's happening in our life right now?
0: Part of pivoting is having the tough talks before you need to have the tough talks. My, my partnership that failed was starting a restaurant with a, with a friend uh, back in New York City. And we didn't have the tough talks, right? We didn't have, and the restaurant itself was successful, but what failed is that I lost a friend over it. And when you look back in life, the friendship is what I wish I had back. The restaurant can be whatever it was, but it's because we didn't have those tough talks beforehand. So in partnerships in life, you have to have those talks now. You have to have the talk before it happens, because when it happens, it's too stressful, it's too late. Too many things going on. It's moving too fast. You're already in too deep. You're in too deep. So before COVID even happened, when we didn't know what was going on, so we had a conversation that if the world went, whatever way it would, is that I would go all business, purely would go all kids. And that was just our conversation that we had to have for our life, our personal life, because no matter what, no matter what happens in our business, what happens in our outcome, what happens, the kids come first. And so we had to have and make sure that was set up. And for us, that was the big piece and a big component. So when it came up, right? At the point we need to, we pivoted. And when we needed to move into multifamily, it was a hard move, right? Because it was, you're carrying a bunch of plates and you always feel like we can't let them drop, right? But we had to make that choice to let them drop to find out what we really needed to hold on to, And that was multifamily. Because we found with multifamily is that we can make a difference and it could be on so many different levels. Because our big thing is we wanna make communities better. Because when you make communities better, not only does it help the people who live there, because now they have a better place to live, but it helps the building perform better, which ultimately makes our investors more money, right? So it's a win across the board. It doesn't stop. start high level. Let's make our investors a ton of money. Let's make this a better place. Let's leave it better than we left it. And when we do that, everyone can win along the way. And that's been a huge part of our life for how we look at things is that, it's better to set a track record for us and then find out where we need to go to pivot to keep us on pace for that goal. Because we know along the way, the one word we need to remember is persevere. So we've set goals, we create a plan, we've pivoted, and then we have to persevere. Les Brown says, if you get knocked down, fall on your back, just make sure you're looking up because if you can look up, you can get up. Because we just have to keep going just one more time. Keep going. Because I guarantee if you have a goal in front of you, you have an outcome you're set for, is that the only thing that's going to stop you is when you give up, when you stop going. You don't fail if you don't quit. You don't fail if you just don't stop going for what you want. And it will come. It will be in front of you. It will be set up. It will be right in front of you. But there's 100, a 10,000 of us that are doing what we want to do. which sets apart, The ones who are succeeding is the ones that keep going after it. The ones that just take one more step. The ones that get after it and just work hard. Don't have enough time, get up earlier. Don't have enough time, stay up later. Don't have enough time, stop watching Netflix. Don't have enough time, Arnold Schwarzenegger says sleep faster, right?
1: You have have all the time in the world. It's a mindset, folks. You have all the time in the world that you need in this moment. You just gotta accept that and reach for it. I'm gonna repeat that. You have all the time in the world, you just have to reach for it.
0: So there's three things that I say, so when I get up each morning, is that when I'm going out there and I don't wanna do it, I don't wanna work out and to get after it, I just say these three things. I say I can, I will, I must. And if I say those three things, I can, I will, I must. Those are the three things that I just continue to say. I put them up on the board. I get up at 4.32 a.m., 4.321, go. And I just, I can, I will, I must. And trust me, not every day is perfect. Most aren't. I can't remember one perfect day out there, but every day can be great. And we just get up and just set ourselves at the pace. And what's made this special is we get to do this together because I can do whatever I want. But without Pelia here along my side, nothing has been as great as it could be. So for us, we just keep getting up that next day to keep taking that next action. Because hustle beats talent when talent doesn't hustle, at every point. And we've all seen talented people out there that just don't get anywhere, because they don't hustle. But don't wait, because tomorrow sounds good, but there's no better time than right now, and there's someone out there that's taking action, crushing it right now, because they're just taking action. That's simply it, they're just taking action. And we waited a long time, but no more. Because we knew we'd have to take time. If not for us, for our kids. Not for our kids, for their grandkids. It's what's next for us.
1: I mean, we waited a long time just for each other. Mm -hmm. So y'all just stop waiting. There's so many people in this room that you can create relationships with. Might not get married to them, but you can create a relationship with them. And I firmly believe the relationships that you make in this room will create your partnerships of the future. Who are you to say that that person sitting next to you or at the next table that you don't know is going to be your next partner in the future, is gonna help you take down that $10 million building you just out of your, just right there out of your grasp. That person, that person right across the room, right there, I'm pointing at you, you on your phone, I'm pointing at you. That person right across the room could be the answer to everything you're looking for, but you don't know it yet because you haven't introduced yourself. So if I can give you one action step today is to meet everyone in the room, everyone, because you never know when you're going to meet your perfect partner. We happened, Jason and I happened to be slapped together at a bar in Chelsea on the river, like a girl from Hawaii and a boy from New Jersey. How is that supposed to happen? But we were able to look past our personality, our mental differences and come together to have this amazing relationship where we get to set goals together. We get to make plans together. We get to, we get to live life together. We get to, we get to do all this together because we chose to. And well, because you're just so amazing. Well, thank
0: you. So we'll leave you today with, of course, those three things. I can, I will, I must. And at each point that it gets tough, well, good. That's where we learn our lessons. Nothing ever perfect taught us a lesson we want. It's been everything that's happened that hasn't been ideal, that's given us better direction to get forward. So don't wait, take action, create a plan, set goals. Understand it's okay to pivot and just keep going. Thank, thank you very much. No. Thank you, Jason and hey, We have a, a question. Sure. Before you guys? Go ahead. I'll come back over here. Since I've been over here all the time. Jason and Billy. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you for very uh, you know very touching sharing all your experiences. I'm um, it literally touched. Uh, just, uh, I, I guess probably there wasn't enough time for you to talk about how, you know, you must have met a lot of resident, resistance in acquiring this, you know, 11 syndication in such a short time. So if you can t- talk about number one, number one, one thing, lesson learned in your acquisition process, then post acquisition and sale, where you met a challenge, and then I can, I will, and I must help you overcome. Sure. I'll talk to you about our first one because it's a great, it's a great lesson learned. So we acquired a 94 unit in Louisville, right? And we found, and so I hope, I hope I have three, four minutes, but I think the story will be beneficial. So great property. You know, we didn't know what we didn't know at the time, right? So we got in there, we were able to put it together a great team and we were able to buy this at a very affordable basis, just based on where it was, where, where we stand today. Right. But throughout the hold at one point, where we have five buildings, and we're in an area, Louisville. That's not the best area, not the worst area, but there started to be gang activity at the neighbor bu- neighboring building, and that building started to become unsafe, right? And so it became a concern for us because there was shooting, right? And someone at our apartment complex actually got shot in the late, based on this building next door. And so we said, "Wow, we have to do something here because one, we're scared because our tenants might get hurt, but also two, you know, people may leave, they may become defunct, they could go wherever we went." So we had a unit come vacant at this apartment building. And we thought about it and we said, you know, you can see the building behind us where all the trouble's taking place. And it was actually a city-owned building where, where you know, there's just no control, no oversight. And we found out later that all the people there actually didn't live there, right? So we called up and we called up the city, right? And couldn't get in touch with and everybody. So I said, okay, I have to find a way to pivot here to find the right thing. So I started leaving this message. I need you to call me back. I'm worried someone's gonna die, right? But I get you a call back. Right. So, so, so Shawanda actually calls him back and says, Hey, what's going on? I say, Hey, you have this building across the way and they're creating a lot of danger. And I'm just worried about what's going to happen. She goes, well, you need to call the detective who handles all of our units. I say, okay. So I call him, call him a number of times. doesn't pick up. So I say, okay, I got to leave the message again. Hey, um, detective, uh, detective, I need you to call me back. So I'm worried. Someone's going to die. Right. So again, they get you to call back. Right. So he goes out there and, and, and I say, Hey, listen, we have this, this problem at our building right now. Um, you know, but we have this unit, And he goes, well, okay, so what can you do with that unit? I was like, well, you could see the other building. He goes, okay, we have to call this guy because this guy may have to help you. Well, again, I get to this point here where I can't get to be on the phone. So I call again and say, hey, listen, I'm worried someone's going to die. Can you give me a call back? So again, I get a call back, right? And now a new detective. And after this process, two, three weeks in, they come out and perform a stakeout, right? And they perform a stakeout at the building. And it took about really about three, three and a half weeks, but they ended up arresting 12 people there. And so I could have done two things, right? In the first part, I, d- I didn't know what I didn't know. So I just started making calls and just figuring it out. Or we could just hope for the best and hope to just figure it itself out. What they did is they actually made the effort to get it done, right? And so we kept checking on, and they arrested these people there and they created just a safer environment. So the people there knew that the ownership was gonna take action, right? Because what, what did happen, if you think about it from an economical standpoint, I lost a unit for that month, right? But I set it aside because it was it, it was all that I needed to do to just make sure the place was safe. And sometimes when you do things, right, that, that I, I didn't perform with that. I didn't think in this point of like, when I was underwriting the deal, let me, let me look at how this could be, right? But that's what we had to choose to do along the whole, is to, to take an actual step like that, just to make this a better community to get back to what? We want this to be a better place to live. So when we got through that narrative right there, it, it allowed us to just know that things are gonna come up that's not perfect. we've had underground wires burst you know we've had um a pump station fail things just aren't perfect and you can just throw your hands up and say okay didn't plan for that but now we pivot right and when we talk to our investors each month we send them an email we basically say three things here's what's going to plan here's what's not going according to plan here's what we're doing to pivot accordingly and I ran, rarely ever get an email back. I rarely ever get a response back. And at one point we were first doing this, I was like, maybe our email is just going to spam. So I would just, my friends be like, are you getting our emails?" they're like, yeah. They're like, but you tell us everything. So we really don't need to ask you anything. Okay. And I mean, it's a simple, probably that big of an email because we're just setting narrative. We're setting consistency. They know on the 15th, they're getting an email from us for every property. Boom, 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 like clockwork. Boom, 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 boom. So it's just second consistent, consistent narrative, understand it's not going to be perfect. That's okay. Got 100, 200, and you know, they just did a 400 unit, five, six, 700 people living somewhere. Things are not gonna be perfect, right? It's, it's a lot of people under, under, under a couple of roofs. So when that happens, you just have to say, okay, how can I make this a better place to live? And if you keep asking, how can I? Usually you find, how will I?